Well, hello, and I want to welcome you to the Victory Church Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Horton. I'm here to bring you a short message that's designed to help you become all that God created you to be and to live your life to the fullest. Thank you so much for listening. Let's get into today's message. Well, it is an exciting day to be alive. I'm glad to be back with you on our Victory Church weekly podcasts. Hope you're getting something out of this. And uh, I usually teach in series on this. And right now I'm just in the middle of talking about 10 ways the Holy Spirit works <clears throat> excuse, me, excuse me, in our lives as believers. It's really cool today to think that with all of the challenges, all of the pressures on all of the varied levels of life, that we have a person inside of us that can help us navigate through life and can help us be successful in the middle of a, probably the most challenging time the earth has ever seen. We're going into that time just prior to Jesus return, which is called the tribulation time. You may have a belief system and you may believe that the church is going to be raptured away from here before the worst shall come. Uh, I believe that for many, many years and taught and preached that. But as I began to examine the Bible very clearly and closely, God began to show me that we're going to be here for a period of time during that difficult time. And the good news is that we have a, we have a compass. We have a navigation system. He is the Holy Spirit. He's going to help us navigate through these, 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 this crazy time that we're uh, just on the edge of right now. And, you know, uh, I don't want to say, but it looks like it's just going to get worse. But the good news is it can get better for you, and the Lord can minister life to us and then through us. So we're talking about 10 ways the Holy Spirit works in us. Um, John 16, 13, Jesus said, However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. He will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. And so again, the Holy Spirit, there's 10 things uh, that I want to talk about that he wants to do in us. Um, I've, I've talked about the first five. I'm in the middle of talking about the sixth one. The first thing the Holy Spirit wants to do in us is create in us is a sense of unity in the body of Christ. Secondly, the Holy Spirit gives us the desire to be like Jesus. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit produces in us a sense of righteousness, of right standing with God. Number four, the Holy Spirit seeks to keep us pure. And number five, the Holy Spirit will lead us away from the harmful effects of our culture. We've talked about all of these in detail in the past podcast. Number six is where I left off last time. I did not get finished. I was in the middle of it. So here we go again. The Holy Spirit will give us a sense of belonging with the Father. You know, all of us were created to be loved by God. And, you know, I have met so many believers over the years. And even me, when I first came to the Lord, we just don't, you know, <clears throat> we know that God loves us, but we don't experience in regular daily life the love that God has for us. We're conditioned we're conditioned uh, away from relationship and really away from love because many times we have dysfunction in the homes that we're raised in. Even if you're raised in a good home, there are challenges that come and the Lord wants to help us through the, the mental slash emotional barriers that keep us away from relating closely with the Father. And the Holy Spirit can help us learn to uh, sense that belonging, that love that God has for us, that God, that, 
That God the Father, I like to call him the Father because that's what he is. Understand this, that when Adam and Eve sinned, the first man and woman sinned, the greatest effects of the fall of man were relational. And obviously that started first of all in our relationship with God, then filtered into a relationship with people. One of my friends many years ago uh, said that <clears throat> when Adam and Eve first sinned, they hid behind the bush, you know, and sewed fig leaves together to hide their nakedness. And then they hid from God, and, and what they really did is they put a roof on. He said they built a house around their life. They put a roof over their head, so to speak, so, so they could, so to speak, hide themselves from God, which you can never really hide. And then, and then they put walls of isolation around themselves to isolate them from close relationship. And, you know, we all have varying levels of that. And the Lord wants to break that down. He wants to, us to take the roof off. And he wants us to let the walls down that keep other people out and that keep us from experiencing closeness both with God and with others. And, you know, understand this. Most of us are doing the best we can with what we have. And, you know, again, God wants us to come up to another level. The Father, I can say, wants us to come up to another level of fellowship with him. And I want to talk about... Uh, in a very simple way, how to do that today. When I came to the Lord, the roof was on tight. I mean, strong, metal, uh, so to speak. And the walls were up around my life. And and I really, you know, I didn't feel good about me. So I, I was uh, reticent to really get close to anybody. But when I came to Jesus in September of 1976 and began to open my heart up to him, uh, now, I had a good home, and I, I, for the first time, I began to feel the love that God had for me, and it was really, really an incredible thing. You know, I had a good home. My, my father and mother loved one another. We had a, basically a good home, but still from that environment of my home, as good as it was, and we went to church all the time, I still, for some reason, there was a missing element of, of feeling close and feeling really connected with God as my heavenly Father. So again... Uh, I, I went through a process, I want to share that if I can real quickly here, how that worked for me. Listen, God created us to be nurtured in an atmosphere of unconditional, self-sacrificial love. What does unconditional mean? This is what this, God loves us and he puts no conditions that we have to fulfill in order to be loved by him. He loves you the good, the bad, the ugly, indifferent, warts and all. That's the way he loves you. Now, that doesn't mean he doesn't want to change things, but you know his love for you is unconditional. And then also, God has a self-sacrificial love for us. What does that mean? Self-sacrificial means God puts himself last and puts us first. And that's what he did when he sent Jesus to the cross. It's a self-sacrificial love. And so it, we are, our, our human personality thrives in an environment of love. And, you know, if we can, if we can learn as parents to, to train our children in an environment of, of love and acceptance from us as their, as their authority figures slash parents, then you know what? It can help us to to develop a whole personality. Love is something that appeals to all of us. And when we come to Jesus, God wants to, God wants to show us how much he loves us. Psalm 2710, I think it says, when my father and mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Now I translate that for me into 
whatever could not or was not provided by my home, by my family. You know, God can provide that for me even if I'm an adult. You know, Susan and I had four children, and we raised our four children in our environment. That is, our personalities, our makeup, how we thought about life, how we dealt with life. That was intertwined into the atmosphere and environment of Jonathan, Sarah, Jessica, and Lindsay being raised in our home. And, and you know, we're imperfect, so obviously we, we showed a flawed ideal of love to our children, all four of them, even though we tried to do the best that we could. But here's what I found out, that when you come to Jesus, whatever your father and mother were, defic- were deficient in, God can take up the slack, and, and he can help us to develop a close, personal relationship with him, and that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Listen to 1 John 4, 18. There is no fear in love. Dread does not exist, but full-grown, complete, perfect love turns fear out of doors and expels every trace of terror. This is amplified, 1 John 4, 18, for fear brings with it the thought of punishment. And so he who is afraid has not reached full maturity of love, has not yet grown into love's complete perfection. So God, when we come to Jesus, God wants us to know that we are fully loved and completely accepted by him. And he wants to, he wants to rid us of the improper fear of him. We have a respect for God, yes, but he wants us to open up to him. He wants us to feel like we can share our hearts and bear our hearts with him. And he wants us to feel like we don't have to do things to prove uh, that we, we are capable of being loved by him. He wants to love us freely without conditions. Uh, now this came, what I want to share a few things here, and I stopped here last time, and here we go again. I, I want to talk about um, I want to talk about four false beliefs that come from a deficit of unconditional love. Um, we have a, a booklet, a workbook actually, that we have used for over 20 years at Victory Church. It's called Breaking the Cycle of hurtful family experiences. And there are four false beliefs that the authors of that book mentioned that I want to mention today. I've taught this book to uh, uh, numbers of people and then I've had people teach it in our church for many years. And uh, for the last couple of years, we haven't done it. But, you know, I think we're going to revive it and do it again. Four false beliefs that rise out of a deficit of unconditional love. The first one is, is a false belief of performance. That is... I must meet certain standards to feel good about myself. Uh, most people, in, in fact, it's, it's, it's common to humankind that we feel like we've got to do certain things for others to accept us. That's, that's very deep, and most of us experience that. So the second false belief is I must have the approval of, of others or certain people to feel good about myself. And that's, that's the sense of approval. We get it from, from others. And then the third false belief is those who fail, and this is very common, those who fail are unworthy of love and deserve to be punished. So we blame ourselves. Those who fail are unworthy of love and deserve to be punished. So that's very, very common, and we often treat others that way, and the Lord wants us to be different. Then the last one, number four, the false, uh, the fourth false belief is, I am what I am. I cannot change. I am hopeless. And, and so again, uh, those are four tough false beliefs. But you know what? 
God wants to correct those false beliefs we have. Uh, the first one is a performance belief. The second one is a per, an approval belief. And the uh, third one is we want to place blame and blame ourselves and others uh, when things are not right. And then the fourth false belief is shame. So again, the first false belief is I must meet certain standards to feel good about myself. See, Jesus is the one that takes care of that performance false belief. I've got to do certain things to be right with God. When we are justified by faith, and I've talked about it in the past podcast, that means I'm completely forgiven by and fully pleasing to God. When I accept Jesus and come to know Him, God accepts Jesus' sacrifice for my sin. And God accepts Jesus standing on my behalf so that I can be right with God without having to perform or do things to be right with God. Jesus makes me right with God. I no longer have to be afraid to fail because I know that I'm loved by God because of what Jesus did for me. And see, that's the first false belief. <laughs> I must meet certain standards. Jesus meets the standards for me. Isn't that great? You may want to think about this some in your own life. The second false belief, I must have the approval of others or certain other people to feel good about myself. And the solution for that is also in Christ Jesus because of reconciliation, because of the blood of Jesus, the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. I'm totally accepted by God. I no longer have to fear rejection. I was raised with a deep sense of personal rejection for a number of reasons, just the way that I was raised in my country environment, in my school environment, uh, and the way people treated me. And I don't, I'm not going to take time to go into it today, except I, when I became an adult, I had a deep sense that other people just didn't like me. Or I'm the odd man, I'm the odd person out in any, any social situation, a room full of people. Well, I'm the person that Nobody cares to be, have anything to do with it. And I was raised in, with thinking and feeling that way about myself. When I came to Jesus and found out that I am, Ephesians 1, what is it, 4 or 5, accepted in the beloved, I'm completely accepted by God. That, revol that began to revolutionize how I thought about me and then how I, I thought about myself in the context of other people. And, and you know, it, it began to push rejection out of my life, this sense that people really didn't like me. It, it began to push it out of my life, and it made an incredible, incredible difference because of what Jesus did. Then I no longer have to, uh, I don't have to have the approval of others to feel good about me. Jesus makes me feel good about me, and I mean that in the right sense. Some people take this stuff, and life is all about them. Friend, life is not all about me and you. It's about Jesus, but he wants you to take you and he wants you to learn to identify with Jesus and not with your problems, not with your need, and not with your lack. When you learn to identify with who Jesus is and who you are in Christ Jesus, it takes this rejection idea and thought and feeling out of you, and you know that you're completely accepted by him. So again, because of reconciliation, I know I, I'm totally accepted by God. I no longer have to fear rejection. The third uh, false belief, and let's go over that, those who fail 
are unworthy of love and deserve to be punished. Now, that is common. We often get on people and disassociate ourselves when people don't perform the way we think they should, and we begin to isolate ourselves from them, yada, yada, et cetera, et cetera. And friends, that's not the way God wants us to live. In fact, the answer to that, and I'm going to use a word that we never use in, in English language. It's extremely rare because of propitiation. Now, that's a King James word from 1 John 2, 2. It says that Jesus is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only but also for the sins of the whole world. So let me read this entire sentence. Because of propitiation, I'm deeply loved by God. I no longer have to fear punishment or I no longer have to punish others. When we fail, we go to God, we repent, we ask forgiveness, and we move forward. Again, the book of Proverbs says, I think it's 1624, a righteous man falls seven times and rises up again. Why? That's because of God's great mercy. And this word propitiation is, again, used in the King James Version of the, of the Bible in 1 John 2.2. 2. Uh, other translations um, uh, bear, and he is the atonement or the mercy seat for our sins. You know, listen, the, the, the mercies, and let me, let me talk about this. You know, in the Old Testament, there was the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was placed in, in uh, the tabernacle, and then when the, the Jewish temple was built, Solomon's temple was built, it was placed in the Holy of Holies. And it was a rectangular box that was, that was plated by, made out of wood, plated by, with gold. And it had a, a cover on the box, which was called the mercy seat. And the mercy seat, if you go read the Old Testament, some of you, you may know this, um, you know, had two angels facing each other with their ring, wings outstretched that were like looking down on the top or the covering of the ark uh, of the cover. And, and they, were, they were actually mounted on top of it. And when the a high priest, the Jewish high priest, would slay an animal and bring the blood of an animal into the Holy of Holies and place it on the mercy seat, which was the box or the lid that covered the Ark of the Covenant that had the Ten Commandments and Aaron's rod that budded and some manna in it uh, to remind them of their covenant with God. When the high priest brought the animal blood in there, and he, he actually sprinkled it on the, on the mercy seat, that is the covering for the Ark of the Covenant, that gold covering, and that blood atoned or covered in a typical fashion, a type and shadow fashion, covered the blood, uh, covered the sins of Israel for one year. And see, and it satisfied God's anger towards fallen sinful man. I want you to get it. Jesus propitiated. Jesus atoned. Jesus is the mercy seat. Listen, for our sins. What does that mean? That means that because of Jesus... Because he became our sin, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says. Because he identified with our sin. And because he sacrificed himself for our sin. And paid the penalty for our sin that we should pay. God is no longer angry at us because of our faults and failures. Jesus propitiated. Jesus satisfied. God's righteous, holy anger against sin. Now, now, that's a big deal. Maybe you feel guilty all the time. 
Maybe you have a struggle accepting that God really loves you. Listen, propitiation, the blood of Jesus, the sacrifice of Christ Jesus for you, where he suffered on your behalf for your wrong thoughts, for your wrong words, for your wrong actions, your wrong motives. Jesus literally was judged for you on your behalf. He satisfied God's anger against your sin. That is such a big deal. And you know, accept that. Would you do something for me? I know you may be driving listening to this, or you may be walking, or you may be in your room, a room somewhere. Would you just take a moment right now with me? And would you acknowledge out loud that God has completely forgiven and cleansed you, that he's no longer angry with you because of your sin? Jesus took God's righteous anger against sin for you. Say it out loud with me. Heavenly Father, thank you. Because of Jesus and because of propitiation, say the word propitiation. Jesus took my sin and Jesus was judged for my sin. Yes, say it. Jesus was judged for my sin. And, and Lord, thank you that you're no longer angry with me because of my sin. Your anger towards my sin was placed on Jesus. And Lord, thank you that now I can go free. Would you just thank God with me? Lord, I just want to say thank you for Jesus taking your anger towards my sin, my thoughts, my words, my actions, my motives that are wrong. Lord, thank you for Jesus becoming what I was so that I can become what you are. Thank you. Thank you. There's a great exchange, y'all. And so Jesus is the mercy seat. Jesus is the satisfaction of God's anger on behalf of our sins. We don't have, and that means we no longer have to fear that we're going to be punished. So those who fail are unworthy of love and deserve to be punished. That's no longer true for us because of Jesus when we fail. We go to God, we confess our sins, we repent, say, God, I don't want to be that, I don't want to talk that way, I don't want to think that way, I don't want to do that anymore. And we repent, and we say, Jesus, cleanse my life, cleanse my sin. Father, forgive my sin. The Bible says he'll be faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. Isn't that awesome? You know, that, that, that takes care of insecurity, inferiority, and the blame. We often blame ourselves when we fail. And often we're at fault when we fail. Let's get real. But you know what? Jesus took those faults. Jesus took that failure. Jesus took that. And he became the judgment for it so that we can go free. And now, because of, of, of God being satisfied, propitiated, satisfied, his anger is satisfied against our sin because of what Jesus did. I am deeply loved by God. You are deeply loved by God. We no longer have to fear uh, punishment. And we no longer, and see, if you don't punish yourself when you sin, you take your sin to Jesus. You know what that means? When somebody in your life fails to perform well, they're not doing it right. They're doing it wrong. You know, they're, they're, they're in some way harming your life by their words and actions, or maybe both. You know what? You can, you can, you can forgive them 
you can love them and you no longer have to punish them because of the way they're treating you. That's, that's, that's a really big deal. As I conclude today, I'll come back. I'm not through yet. I, we've got to come back to this one. The, 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 the fourth false belief, I am what I am. I cannot change. I'm hopeless. And that's a sense of shame. A lot of people live with a sense of shame. They're deflated. Their balloon's deflated. They feel like they can never be what they need to be. So they just kind of give up. I am what I am. I can't change. That's the way it is. No, no, no. Because of regeneration. <laughs> I've been made brand new, completely new in Christ. I no longer need to experience the pain of shame. You know what that means? You know, Paul said it in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things are become new. See, see, and you know what? I still, I, it's been 46 uh, and a half years for me now that I've been in Christ. And, you know, I still make mistakes. I, I don't want to, but sometimes I do the wrong thing. And, and when I do, I, I go to God. And here's what I say every morning. And I, I prayed this morning. I got up early this morning. And a part of my prayer life was, Lord, thank you that I am a new creature. See, I quoted to him, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, because I needed to hear it. Lord, I thank you today I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away and all things are become new. What does that mean? That means God took the sin nature out of me and placed his nature in me. He loves me and he's made a way for me to be complete in Jesus. And I'm no longer, I'm no longer a, a shame-filled person I'm a forgiveness-filled person, and I'm a loved-filled person because Jesus took my shame. Jesus took my sin. Jesus took my punishment. Jesus took my inferiority. And now I am absolutely free in Christ Jesus. And now, you know, if I have a gloomy day, if my emotions tell me it's not worth getting out of bed, I get my tail out of bed anyway. Why? Because I'm loved. I've been regenerated by the Spirit of God. Jesus lives in me. The Holy Spirit lives in me. I'm a new person in Christ Jesus. I'm not what I was before. And if you go uh, into a pattern from your past life and you sin, uh, don't, don't wallow in it. No, take that to the Lord. And say, God, I repent. I don't want to say that anymore. I don't want to think that anymore. I don't want to do that anymore. Lord, I, I judge that as wrong and sin. And Lord, I lay that at your feet and ask you to forgive me. And I repent of it. If you have to repent for it for the umpteenth time, doesn't matter. Go there and accept the fact that Jesus has cleansed you and you're a brand new person in Christ Jesus. See, that takes the shame away of living when we when we do wrong. See, what, what we do, we're, we're living with a new family dynamic of love instead of a family dynamic of pain, a family dynamic that we never quite measure up, that we, that we have to do to be. No, we are who we are by the grace of God, not by our own human efforts. That's, that's amazing. Um, we don't have to have other people's approval to, to feel good about who we are. We, uh, when we fail and when others fail, we can still love them and we can treat ourselves the way the Lord wants us to treat ourselves, not by flagellating ourselves and being upset with ourselves and punishing ourselves. No, no, by, by allowing Jesus to be who he is to us and in us. And then when those days of hopelessness and shame, and we all have them at times, you know what? When that comes, you can rise up and say, Lord, I thank you that I'm a brand new person. It doesn't seem to be, doesn't feel, I don't feel it right now, but by faith I am. And thank you 
for making me brand new. We'll come back here because there's, there's so much to unpack here. And I want to talk to you next time about how, uh, really how God, uh, how, God, how God rewired my thinking about him so I could be close and intimate with him because that, that's, that's a really, really, really big deal. And, and, and again, the Holy Spirit wants to show us how uh, to have a sense of belonging uh, with the Father. And that's what I'm talking about. So, Lord, I pray again for the second time during this podcast and ask that the Holy Spirit would uh, take us through a path of change to where we get rid of our insecurities and become very secure in who Jesus is to us. And, Lord, thank you for ministering life to every person that listens to this. In Jesus' name. God bless you, my friend. Can't wait to talk to you next time. God bless. Thanks for listening to the Victory Church Weekly Podcast. I hope you're able to get something out of the message today. Before you leave, please make sure uh, that you subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform that you're listening from. Doing this goes a long way in helping us reach a wider audience. Lastly, If you want to reach out with questions, concerns, prayer requests, or comments about today's content, you can email me at pastor at victorychurchraleigh.com. I would love to hear from you. Now go out there and be all that God created you to be today. God bless you.